I would like to welcome everyone. Good morning. This is, I'm Paul Gross. I'm the Extension Educator, Field Crops in Isabella County. Uh, pretty excited to, to kick off our, our second season of the Field Crops Virtual Breakfast. Um, we're pretty excited this year. We've got, uh, we're going to be serving up some real timely information uh, uh, for growers uh, as we go through the season. Uh, each week we're going to, the format's going to be, we're going to have a uh, start off with one of our specialists and then we're going to uh, to have the second uh, half of the half hour uh, with Jeff Andresen with weather. So uh, it's warming up, the weeds are popping. So we're going to be starting off with uh, Dr. Christy Sprague talking about early season weed control. Uh, for those who are joining and have the ability, please uh, have questions, put them in the chat box, and we'll get them asked to Christy when she wraps up. So Christy, good morning, and uh, the floor is yours. Good morning, Paul, and good morning to everybody. I hope everybody is having a, a great morning. It looks like the we're going to have another great day. Um, I know yesterday was a pretty good day and there was actually some field work going on. So what I really would like to do today is talk a little bit about early season weed control, some things to uh, consider as we move into the season. Um, you know, this year has kind of been kind of, I don't know, almost like last, last year in some ways and maybe just a little bit better. But um, I know in general, we've had the last couple of weeks a few times where we've been really dealing with a lot of kind of more wetter weather and sometimes relatively cool. What I did, and I'm sure Jeff will talk a little bit about what weather conditions we've had, but I just kind of pulled from around this area, uh, kind of our growing degree days up to this point from the last three years. And I knew last year was we were extremely cool and that really slowed down a lot of the weed growth. We are definitely ahead of last year, but not quite where we were in 2017 as you kind of look at the growing degree days up until this point. Um, and really what that means is kind of tells us a little bit about how uh, quickly our weeds are growing, how uh, things are uh, kind of progressing. Um, and as we kind of are moving forward, we're just kind of starting to get into the swing of seeing a little bit more field work. I know up to this point, there hasn't been a whole lot that's been done. And what I'm going to talk a little bit about is some of the things we should be thinking about from an early season weed control standpoint, as well as um, maybe talk a little bit about um, some of those wheat herbicide applications. Um, as we start seeing those warmer temperatures, we're definitely going to see some of that increased weed growth. And, you know, as we start, as the weeds start to grow and everybody gets uh, itching to plant, sometimes one of the things that really um, happens is some of this competition that we see for some of the field operations. Should we really be, you know, a lot of guys want to get out there and plant, but it's really important to think about okay, how do we manage those weeds so they're not impacting um, basically our crop yields at the end of the season? And one of the reasons, or there's several reasons why we want to control those weeds prior to planting. Um, obviously, some of them are, they can definitely interfere with some of those planting and tillage operations, especially when you get some really thick mats of wheat and, or excuse me, of weeds and um, kind of just doing some drive-bys as well as looking at some scouting over the last couple of days. We've got fields that vary anywhere from just a few weeds that are uh, coming up to some pretty uh, some substantial uh, winter weed growth. So definitely some of that can interfere with some of those planting and tillage operations. The other thing is once we get things planted, they uh, compete with the crops for moisture, light, nutrients um, as those seeds start to germinate and can interfere with uh, inter emergence of the crops, whether it's soybeans, corn, or uh, any of the other crops that we might be planting. Um, some of those weed mats can also harbor some destructive insects, um, seed corn maggot, a lot of these um, wireworms, some of these can 
really be a problem if we're not controlling those weeds. And um, over the years, there's been a lot of winter annuals that have also been shown to be a uh, host for soybean cyst nematode. And then one of the other things is as a lot of those weeds get bigger, they're definitely harder to control. And some of those weeds that I kind of think about is particularly things like uh, Mare's tail or horseweed. Um, that's definitely one once it gets some size, uh, even with trying to think about some of the ways that we can manage some of the resistant populations that we have, they're definitely harder to control. And um, again, just to kind of bring it back into where we're at um, with the mare's tail or horseweed, it's definitely one of the, the bigger issues that we have in trying to control some of our um, early spring weeds. That's one that pops up everywhere. And um, just kind of keep in mind that when we're thinking about, depending on what we're doing um, in a Roundup Ready system or a non-GMO system, we really don't have any good post options for control. So I know a lot of people are switching to using other soybean technologies to try to get this a little bit under control, but I think it's still very important that we start out trying to control this early. Um, and as I've kind of uh, looked at some of our areas where we're doing some research, we are starting to see um, a lot of the mare's tail starting to emerge. Uh, some of it's getting a little bit of size to it. So it's one of those things that we're gonna definitely have to control prior to planning. So when we're thinking about good weed control early in the season, there are still a lot of people that do tillage. Um, if we've got thick mats of weeds out there prior to tillage, it might be a good idea to do a burn down application. And it's really important to make sure that we uh, do a nice uniform disturbance on those upper few inches. Um, remember that vertical tillage tools are, are great for helping uh, prepare seed beds, but they're probably not going to control a lot of the weeds. So in some cases where people are going to be using a vertical tillage tool, um, you know, a burn down application, if there's a lot of weeds out there, might be a good, good idea. So we've got a lot of different burn down applications we can use, and I'm going to really focus more on soybeans, but we do also have several for corn and some of the other crops that we do plant. Um, and I'm going to kind of give an example about what happens if we don't do a good job in controlling weeds prior to planting. And really what can happen is that early season competition can really affect our yields at the end of the season. And this was some work that we did several years ago where we had um, a number of or a couple different locations and just kind of looked at what happened if we did not control the weeds prior to planting. And this is kind of just kind of a stair-step effect showing if we controlled weeds at planting compared to some of the other ones um, a little bit later. And you can see that we definitely, uh, as the longer we wait, we do reduce yield. And if we just waited until, you know, what we would think of most of the weeds coming up, we can see up to um, almost an, uh, close to a nine bushel per acre reduction, which with today's prices would be pretty much a $72 uh, per acre loss. So that really, you know, you start thinking about how much it costs to control those early season weeds. Um, you can definitely make it up in uh, yield at the end of the season. And really um, by delaying that, some of the things that we've calculated out that that can actually be equated to almost losing a quarter uh, bushel per acre per day of, of soybeans. So we do have a number of different um, spring burn down options. Some of these you need to wait a little bit longer, but here's just a, a few options that are out there. I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through these. We do have these listed in our uh, MSU weed control guide, but just to point out again, some of these we do need to apply 
possibly a little bit prior to planning uh, one of the newer ones of or uh, that does need to be uh, and applications need to be for 14 days prior to planning so probably not a huge fit in Michigan uh, we still do have a lot of 240 ester applications that happen and remember that does need a seven day prior to planning application timing um, the other thing to think about is uh, early season weed control. Those soil applied herbicides are extremely important, especially when we're trying to control some of the herbicide resistant weeds, especially uh, glyphosate resistant weeds, whether it's mare's tail or horseweed, or some of the pigweed species like water hemp that's really popping up around the state, as well as um, things like Palmer amaranth. The two main groups of herbicides that are probably the most effective on some of these different uh, weeds is definitely metribuzin from the, the mare's tail or horseweed standpoint. And then also the group 14 herbicides have some activity on that as well as those are probably our better ones for controlling some of our pigweed species like water hemp and palmer amaranth. And in uh, most cases, if we can, there's a lot of different premixes out there that contain both metribuzin and one of the uh, either sulfentrazone or flumioxazin products. And those mixes do a really good job in trying to um, give us some residual control of some of those different species. So just a reminder, we do have an updated fact sheet that can be found online. It is also in the back of the MSU weed control guide on page 217. So really talks about some of the different traits that we have and what are some of the more effective burn down strategies, particularly in trying to control um, uh, mare's tail because that has become one of the bigger issues. So again, this is kind of a three-page deal where we're talking about some of the different steps. Another thing to think about is when you're putting on those pre-burn down or those burn down herbicides or some of those pre-emergent soil applied herbicides, um, most of those do need to be uh, applied prior to soybean emergence. So, you know, sometimes the, the planter gets way ahead of the sprayer and we want to make sure that those beans are not emerged when we make that those applications because whether we're using one of the Valor type products or the Authority type products or Metribuzin, uh, if those beans are coming up, we will um, have some issues. Uh, looking at corn, again, very important to start out clean. And then also those residual herbicides are extremely important. Um, in some cases, we do see a potentially where corn is up before those soil applied um, herbicides are made. And we do have a little bit more flexibility on corn. There are some of those that can be applied kind of in an early post-emergence stage. And um, a lot of those different types of products can be found in the weed control guide on table 1H. So just to kind of give you some more focus of uh, different places to look. And then um, lastly, just to mention a little bit about wheat. Um, we've got wheat that's in all different stages across the state, and that really gives us some uh, questions on when do we make those applications and what are some of the things we need to consider. Um, when we're looking at that, we want to make sure uh, we're making applications to wheat uh, when weeds are actively growing. We really don't want to make those applications when the crop is under stress, and a lot of times that usually has to do with cool weather. Kind of a good good rule of thumb is to make those uh, herbicide applications in winter wheat when the daily temperatures are at least 50 degrees or higher. Um, there are uh, other things to think about. Um, we have very few options if we have frost-seeded red clover. MCA, MCPA is probably our only safe post-emergence option that has broadleaf activity. Um, 
some of the nitrogen applications didn't go on earlier. We can use some of these as a carrier, and we do have some precautions on those. And then, um, again, just kind of keep in mind that wheat growth size and what weeds are controlled. So um, there is an article that I've put out that will be in the MSUE news today talking about all the different things to think about with herbicide applications and winter wheat this year, as well as thinking about early season weed control. And then just to mention, uh, we are starting to see a lot more grasses. The rough stock bluegrass is one that's popped up. One thing that I will tell you with a lot of the delays in wheat planting last year and just some of the not a lot of uh, wheat growth in the fall because of some of the cooler wet temperatures, just to show you um, some uh, plots that we have, rough stock bluegrass on the, um, from 2018 on the left-hand side, and then this is in 2019. So kind of a big difference in, in growth just based on when wheat was mostly planted and some of the cooler temperatures that we had this last fall. So with that, um, we do have a website. You can get to it by msuweeds.com by Googling that. Um, the weed guide is listed on there. You can also purchase those at um, the MSUE bookstore on campus. And just a quick plug for um, Ag, Innovation, Ag Innovation Day this year on July 26th on campus. And with that, I will uh, open it up. I think we might have a couple minutes for some questions. So thank you yeah, for attending. Yeah, thank you, Christy. We do have uh, we do have one question uh, with uh, 2,4-D ester and planting enlist three soybeans. Do you still need to wait seven days until planting? So, um, so with the enlist three soybeans, if you're going to go closer to planting, you would need to use their uh, enlist one, which is their 2,4-D choline salt. So it would just be buying a different uh, 240. So um, if you're going to be you know, seven days prior to planting, you could still use the ester formulation, but just with the way that the labeling is, that's you would have to use the choline sold if you're going to be closer in the Enlist soybeans. Okay, thank you very much, Christy. Very good information. I know the wheat's going to be a real challenge this year because of how spotty it is, and those growth stages are just all over the board. So uh, that's something that I think uh, wheat growers are really going to have to keep an eye on. So uh, that's all for questions, uh, Christy. We thank you, and uh, we're going to transition now to uh, Jeff Andresen with uh, with weather. Um, Jeff, are, are you are you with us? I'm I'm here this morning. Can can you hear me? Yes, yes. Uh, Excellent. If you could, uh, if you could share screen, uh, share your screen. I think we would be off, uh, off for the weather report, and I'm sure it's all going to be good news. <laughs> well, we'll uh, withhold that judgment, maybe, but as some of it is, I think some of it is. Can you see my screen yet? Yeah, we can. If you can go into uh, slideshow mode. Uh, there we go. Very good. Well, th well, thanks, Paul, and, and good morning, and uh, welcome to. Our 2019 growing season, as uh, well we, we alluded to here just a second ago, there have been uh, some challenges here so far uh, during the growing season. I'm going to start looking in the rearview mirror and then uh, move ahead with uh, with outlooks. Uh, some some I think encouraging news longer term, but we're going it's it's not going to be uh, it's going to take a little while I think to get there. Uh, starting off, and and Christy uh, alluded to this, we've had uh, in We've had a very active spring and late winter pattern. Uh, what you're looking at right here are precipitation totals for the last three months back to uh, early January. And if we look at our last winter, uh, it was an interesting one. We had an early 
onset of winter back uh, in November up through Thanksgiving. And then in the first week of December, it changed. Uh, we went really mild. And that, that milder than normal pattern continued for about five or six weeks through uh, Christmas and New Year. And then during the first week of January, we reverted from uh, unusually mild to unusually cold. And, and probably most remember the we had two visits from the Arctic, uh, two big polar outbreaks, uh, one in the third week of the month and then another the fourth, fourth week of of January, they would have been much worse if uh, the Great Lakes wouldn't have, have been there. And, and February turned out to be colder than normal as well, although we did have a, a couple mild periods. Uh, March and April were a little bit closer to normal, but still cooler than normal, but with a very active storm track through the Midwest. Most of the storms with the uh, storm track over the last few months have been to our west. And because of that, uh, depending on where you were in the state, uh, lots of snow if you were up in the uh, UP and the northern lower, and a lot of our precip came in liquid form across the south, especially the southeastern part of the state. But uh, we can, one thing we can say for sure is that for much of the state, precip has been above or heavier than normal. That's especially true here looking at uh, northern and northwestern parts of the state, especially upper Michigan, uh, where you can see here more than 200% of, of normal. Uh, winter is the driest season of the year climatologically, however, uh, precip totals have still been uh, unusually heavy, and that has left uh, many soils certainly wetter than, than uh, well, they're, they're typically pretty moist this time of year, but even wetter than normal, uh, which has caused a slow start. Uh, degree day-wise, and again, Christy brought, uh, brought this up here, uh, and I, we are behind normal, uh, but we've made a, uh, we, we've, we've cut into that deficit here. These are totals as of uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, Versus normal, and this, this is actually using uh, what we use for the, the overwintering crops beginning March 1, but I think it sort of sets the stage for, for where things are. Uh, if we, These are base 50 degree day totals versus normal, uh, and this is expressed in terms of calendar days either ahead or behind. And uh, all the blues here uh, suggest uh, behind normal. Uh, most of the state is a few days to more than a week uh, behind normal. That's especially true, again, as we go up into northern parts, uh, the, the upper peninsula and the northern lower. With the recent warmer weather, though, down here across the south, we were only a few days behind our, our long-term climatological normal. So we have, uh, if we would have looked at this chart here uh, a week uh, ago, we would have seen many areas at least one week, in some cases pushing two calendar weeks behind normal. But uh, with the recent warmer weather, we were, were close or closer than we should be. One last thing, uh, soil temperatures, they have, with the recent warmer weather, especially in southern parts of the state, have improved. Uh, these are bare four-inch uh, soil temperature averages uh, for uh, the last couple of days, and they range generally from the low 40s in the far northern parts of the state. There's still some lingering snow cover uh, in the Upper Peninsula, uh, but they uh, and that warms uh, moving into the, uh, the upper 40s to near 50 in the northern lower, and we do have some upper 50s now reported across the southern lower. So that has responded. The soil temperatures have responded, especially over the last week to, uh, to 10 days. But we're still a little bit behind where we typically are for the last week in April. Well, let's look at the weather here. Where are we headed? And we, we still have an active, uh, and we'll call it unsettled, weather pattern to deal with uh, here, at least in the short term. This morning on the left, these are current conditions. We have a cool front that's going to make its way from northwest to southeast across the state. Uh, I guess the good news about this is there's not much moisture 
with the system to work with. Most areas, if they see precipitation, it's going to be scattered. Uh, we'll probably see a tenth of an inch or less. Not much, uh, not much in terms of, uh, of, of heavy precipitation. But as we look at the next uh, 24 to 48 hours, we will see the rain come to an end, or at least the threat of rain come to an end tomorrow morning across the southeastern part of the states. It'll be a very cool and windy day. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, well, there's higher pressure in back of this front here. It will be uh, a little blustery tomorrow with north and northwest winds. And then that sets the stage for our next major weather system. These are forecast conditions here on the right for Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, and you can see a large area of low pressure. This is not typically what we see. Uh, this is what we would see in the winter season with a, uh, a low pressure system moving from northwest to southeast. Uh, down through the Midwest, uh, the meteorologists refer to these as, as Alberta Clipper type systems, and again, they're typical for the cold season, not uh, not spring. We t we typically see our weather coming out of the Southwest by this time of the year, but this one, this Alberta Clipper, is going to bring widespread precipitation to uh, much of the state, but I think uh, probably mostly to the central and southern part of the state. It's going to basically move right down here through Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. And if you're, uh, you're looking at colors here, you would expect at this time of the year to see mostly green, indicating liquid precipitation. Uh, well, purples and blues, of course, uh, again, if you watch this, these are frozen. Uh, we've got either mixed precipitation or snowfall expected on the northern part of this. There will be enough cold air behind the, this cold front that moves through here today. Uh, unfortunately, uh, overnight on Saturday to change this precipitation over, it may start as rain, but it probably will change over to snow. And uh, with low temperatures, probably down uh, near 30, the low 30s here overnight Saturday into, into Sunday morning, we, uh, the, the, certainly the potential is there for some accumulations. I, we're not talking anything uh, outrageous like we, we were a couple weeks ago, but uh, I would not be surprised to see some areas across southern or central lower uh, Michigan here pick up an inch or two of heavy wet uh, snow. Uh, overnight, Saturday night, and Sunday. The good news is uh, with strong sunshine this time of the year, it's not going to take much. It will not last long. It'll melt off uh, fairly quickly on Sunday. But another reminder that we're still in the transition season. I think the worst overall news with this particular system is, though, that the precipitation totals with it will be uh, will be on the heavier side. We will see at least a half an inch in many parts of the southern part of the state. And at some spots, we could pick up three-quarters to an inch. I think that'll be the top end, but it's not, it's obviously not what is needed uh, right now at this time of the year. And I, I think this is probably the most, uh, uh, well, the least positive news that I'm sharing. These are forecast precipitation totals here for the next seven days out through next Thursday. After the system that moves through here this weekend, uh, it will be uh, clearing off and, and drier on Sunday and into Monday. But then unfortunately we have at least one if not two more weather disturbances to deal with next week. And collectively with all that, uh, what our, our certainly our forecast guidance is suggesting is that for certain parts of the state, we're going to be picking up heavy heavy totals, one to two inches, not unlikely. I think this is probably overdoing uh, a little aggressive on the uh, from the National Weather Service here. But uh, I, the, the message is that we do have, unfortunately, significant rain and snow, significant precipitation to deal with here. Uh, for the next week, given the, the pattern that we're in right now. Now, looking beyond that, uh, I'm going to start with the 6 to 10 day outlook. And actually, I, I didn't put an 8 to 14 day outlook here because it's almost the same same general thing. But if we look at the jet stream flow here across, that's on the left uh, panel, we've got a trough out over the western U.S. 
and a ridge over the east. Now, normally what that means for us is, is above normal temperatures, uh, possibly depending on the situation, maybe above normal precipitation totals with a uh, storm track from southwest to, to northeast. And that, we've seen that uh, a lot of the, the last several weeks here. But in this particular case, what we're expecting is a, an active storm track really along the U.S.-Canadian border and, and some Canadian origin air masses just to our north. Michigan's going to be right on the border of that along the northern or the U.S. and Canadian border. And with that, uh, below normal or cooler than normal temperatures here are expected along the northern tier of states, including at least a part of Michigan. And I think, unfortunately, that's, that's probably what we're looking at for the bulk of next week into next weekend. This particular outlook goes through the 4th of May. The 8 to 14 day out, uh, time frame the outlook, again, it's virtually identical to that. Cooler than normal, especially for northern parts of the state with maybe normal temperatures across the south. We're going to see a, the passage of several frontal boundaries with this uh, weather system. And uh, probably, uh, again, the uh, not so good news uh, and with an active storm track, probably above normal precipitation totals likely to continue from, again, for much of next week and probably into the following week. Now, beyond that, beyond that, the guidance is suggesting some changes. This is the three to four week outlook, uh, outlook, which takes us into the second week of May. And in that particular outlook, we do see uh, warmer than normal mean temperatures returning to much of the Midwest and to the Great Lakes region. It also calls for below normal precipitation totals. So again, expecting maybe a little bit of a pattern change here some point during the first week in May. And then finally, our new uh, long lead ensembles here are, are also very consistent in calling for warmer than normal mean temperatures for both the month of May and also for the, well, the first half of the summer. Actually, we could go out here uh, through the end of the summer into the early fall. Almost all of them are calling for warmer than normal mean temperatures. For precipitation, while the outlooks do call for above normal precipitation totals or at least an elevated risk of above normal precip to our south and to our west, uh, here specifically for the Great Lakes and for Michigan, we're actually in the EC or equal chances category, which which essentially means there is no uh, favored direction in terms of above or or below normal for precipitation. So again, with the long leads, I think the real message is warmer than normal eventually here after we get through this this, uh, this next one to two weeks. And so summarizing, uh, again, we've been uh, we've we've had a very active storm track. Uh, very active weather pattern with, uh, with with lots of precipitation. That is expected to continue, at least in the short term, uh, with, uh, with more, especially here uh, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, with that weather system. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that will be the end of uh, need for any snow removal. I mean, you never say never, especially this April. We've been, uh, we've been unfortunate that way, but it is, it is possible uh, in Michigan, uh, even in late April. Uh, but we should see some improvement hopefully by late late next week and into the following week with warmer uh, weather expected then. But until then, cool and unsettled, I think, is the best description of, of where we're at and what we'll, we're likely to see here for the next week to 10 days. So with that, I'll, I'll uh, see if anyone has any questions, Paul. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, I put my snow shovels away last night, so there's no more snow. <laughs> I, at least I'm hoping. So yeah, I, I, I did take mine out. Uh, all right. I, well, I put mine, mine away at least once and had to, and was, uh, was reminded that it was a bad decision. So uh, hopefully it won't happen to you. Uh, can we assume that we're going to probably get the crop planted in a timely mash fashion uh, in Michigan? Well, it's, uh, I, I'd love to say we, we have, we would have some field work, 
behind us at this point in time, but it's as we know, it's been pretty limited. There's been some recent uh, activity where, where people can get it done, but it's just not as much as we'd like. Uh, and so what that typically points to is a rush here when the, when the weather does improve, and hopefully that will be, again, in that week to 10-day 10, 10 plus time frame. But it's, it's going to be difficult, over the at least over the short term, unfortunately. Okay, thank you, Jeff. Uh, there's no questions in the chat box, so I'd, I'd kind of like to wrap it up. I really appreciate Christy and Jeff uh, sharing information with us this morning. Uh, this is the first of uh, a number of weekly calls. We're going to have them every Thursday uh, until September 5th. Uh, so we'd really like to uh, invite you to join us if you can. Uh, if you'd like to join us and haven't signed up and get an email reminder, you can go to the MSU Field Crops website. Uh, we are going to be putting these uh, the webinars uh, on our social media sites. You can join us on, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Uh, we're all, also going to put these in, in the form of podcasts. So if you didn't get an opportunity to listen to them or you'd like to re-listen to some of the information, uh, they'll be available there by just, uh, just by searching for MSU Field Crop. So with that, uh, appreciate everybody joining us today, and we'll look forward uh, to next week where uh, Dr. Manny Singh is going to be talking about corn and soybean planting and some of those issues surrounding planting timing. So with that, thank you very much, and everyone have a good day.